Good morning. Thank you so much for incorporating these notes into your notes. We are finishing up the East Asian chapter, and today we're going to be talking about China's influence on its surrounding countries, particularly Korea and Japan. Uh, first and foremost, uh, as you can see if you're looking at the map, China is surrounded by independent, kind of like small nation states. You've got Korea, Manchuria, Tibet, Vietnam, Japan. Smaller than China, obviously, but definitely a sense of independent uh, identities. We know most about them from this time period from Chinese sources. Um, during the era of the Han, uh, Han armies uh, brought Chinese culture to these regions, but we also know there was a borrowing of culture. Um, example, paintings, architecture, ceramics. Um, in all areas um, around this region, elites adopted um, Chinese culture. <laughs> For example, the use of chopsticks, the use of you know soy sauce, the written language, very very important, um, books, uh, Chinese classics, histories, poetry, the stuff we talked about when we talked about um, the rise of Han and going into the Tang and the Sui. Uh, if we pivot into Korea, if you're looking at a map, you can see that uh, Korea is a peninsula. It's mountainous. It's about 600 miles long, and <clears throat> during the Bronze and Iron Era. Uh, the early Koreans borrowed these early tools from the Chinese um, in Korea. Um, during the Warring States period in China, uh, contact between the two areas increased. Um, once the Han established control, um, the Han armies definitely pushed into uh, the Korean p p peninsula. Kind of, I don't know if it's entirely the same as Rome, but you can kind of compare just the expansion of borders and taking of um, territory. With them, they brought the spread of culture and politics. And um, basically, um, what Koreans believe is that the what um, even with the trade with China, the, the Korean true Korean state was founded by Tongun. And the legend is his father was a god and his mother was a bear. <clears throat> um, the Three Kingdom era of Korea is basically, if you're looking at that map, you can see uh, Korean kingdoms, and the, um, the Chinese sources describe these kingdoms as a society of aristocratic tribes, um, warriors, there were slaves, um, these slaves were, were came from conquered areas, um, and very independent and not wanting to, you know, really pushing back on the expansion of the Chinese. And so this was able to establish this, this period called the Three Kingdoms period. Um, Goguria, Bajik, and Sila, all of these are spelled on your board, uh, on your, on your uh, screen. Guy at the bottom was eventually annexed, so that's how you just have the three. Um, the Chinese was used as the language, um, you know, there obviously was some changes, but the basics, the written portion, um, government learning, uh, there were hereditary kings. Um, and then, of course, as we talked, the spread of Buddhism along the Silk Road uh, in, is introduced from China in 372. And um, basically, this is your, you know, your connection. Buddhist monks make their way back and forth between China and um, Korea. The Sui dynasty that we talked about in class tried to establish control of part of Korea, but these kingdoms were very, very stronger and were able to keep the Chinese out. Of course, there's trade, but they're still independent. 
the Tang Dynasty, again, tried the same. Um, but they, again, the unification of Korea, the, the ability to keep the Chinese at bay but still borrow from the Chinese is how they, they uh, managed to survive. If we bounce to Japan, you will see, if you're looking at a map, you will see Japan is a mountainous country. Um, obviously, with that, a, a mountainous island country, I apologize. Obviously, with that, you have pros and cons. We talked also about that of natural borders, but then also being disconnected from mainland. Um, the early development of early Japan was closely tied to Korea. Um, anthropologists believe that Korean, early, early Koreans immigrated, were able to cross from Korea to Japan. Um, the early Japanese culture is Homon culture, and it's established, believed, in about 10,000 BCE. And it's, it's after there's a decent amount of people influxing from Southeast Asia, hunting, fishing, uh, clay pots. Um, it's believed that there were female rulers, and um, it was believed this was a very, very peaceful time. So if we kind of fast forward just a little bit to the 4th and 6th centuries, there's new waves of immigrants from Korea, from Southeast Asia, and basically that's what's going to start the evolution of Japan. You can see it on, the, on your screen, I'm kind of really, really bouncing forward. Um, but um, what's believed is that this, this social order is very similar to Korea, you know, there's a warrior aristocratic class um, believed that there was, it was, you know, mainly because of its geography of as an island nation, just very um, divided, not unified. So very much divided into like clans with chieftain, you know, whether it be a head military or a priest. Um, it's believed that they, um, there was a sun goddess um, lo located in the Yamato Plain. And so this is what's going to establish the shrine of the sun goddess near the coast. Um, and eventually this will be termed in Shintao, which is the way of the gods. Um, Shintoism is um, the belief in animism. Uh, kami are the spirits. You know, everything that's alive has a spirit. Um, and this, this religion is able to coexist with um, Buddhism, as I don't know if I've mentioned, but Buddhism also, as it made its way to Korea, will also make its way to Japan. Um, really fa flying fast forward, if we get to um, the 6th century, we have the establishment of, of the Prince Shatoku, and um, this is still under the Yamato rule. But what he does is major reforms to strengthen this, this rule, still not totally unified, but... Um, a little bit more in that direction of, of one kind of main stronger leader over a larger area, but all of the islands are not unified yet. Um, he adopted Chinese-style bureaucratic practices. Um, Confucius exams do not make their way to Japan. Um, there was, uh, you know, with bureaucracy, there was a ladder of officials. Um, he did get rid of the aristocracy. Uh, he preferred Buddhism. Um, he also had open relationships with um, a sweet China in terms of trade and connectivity. Um, basically, this t this turns into um, the first real, or what's believed to be the first real Japanese city, Nara, um, and it's modeled after Chang'an, if you remember we talked about that. He took many trips back and forth to China. The, I mean, this is great, you know, all of this trade. However, as we've talked also, there's also negative impacts of mainland trade and that disease. Um, 
makes its way to Japan. Think of how isolated they are. One of the good things about being that isolated is, you know, you you, you don't have diseases or illnesses from other other areas. Um, smallpox epidemic hits the island and reduced the population by thirty percent. Um, and just lastly, what's kind of cool about this era is that many of the temples that were built before this epidemic during this 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 region of Prince Shotoku in Nara, um, many of those temples still exist today, which is kind of cool. So anyway, I thank you for your time, and please let me know if you have any questions. Thanks.